When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Michelangelo, a.k.a. Greg Sipes. You're listening to Ninja Turtle Power Hour. That's what's up. Welcome to the Ninja Turtle Power Hour. I'm Spencer Toon. I'm Keith McGuffey. I'm Cody Tuckett. And I'm playing Solitaire. Are you winning? Uh, not at the moment. I, I got it on expert difficulty. <laughs> wow, I didn't even know there like, were different difficulties. Holy cow. Uh, on First Microsoft name Solitaire. Last name Solitaire. P.S. Doing those Microsoft rewards, man. Yeah, that's what I do. I, I get, Do you do the app? Yeah, I do the app too. So it's like it's funny because like so you're playing uh, bejeweled every day. <laughs> playing bejeweled every Microsoft Jewel, not bejeweled. Uh, no, it's funny because they have um, uh, they added Overwatch coins to the rewards. Nice. And so I figured out uh, it's on, it's eighteen hundred points for two hundred coins, or ten thousand. Uh, 10,000 points for a thousand coins. And I'm like, the math doesn't add up there. Cause if I just keep buying 200 coins, it's only 9,000 points that I need to earn. You guys are getting paid. <laughs> I, I, I don't um, know. You could, I don't know. You could get points from playing solitaire or some sort of, no, you didn't know you can ca- yeah, you, yeah. You can cash them out. Microsoft rewards, man. Wow. Yeah. Microsoft right. rewards. They essentially, um, indirect, they pay you, I don't think they call it. It's rewards points. Then you like exchange yeah, that and, for like a gift card or whatever. Yeah, they yeah like you can get like yeah, yeah, like you can get like Amazon stuff. You can cash out yeah. there. Um, I use it to get Game Pass Ultimate. I basically like doing the quests every day and like so like you play Jeweled, you start up your Xbox. You like there's a set of searches. There's like three things you have to click. Basically, yeah. every month I clear about twenty dollars. Yeah, basically, like I've I haven't paid for anything in Overwatch uh, in months. It's really nice because it really only takes like five minutes. Yeah, um, and like you get used to using like Microsoft Edge as your browser. It's like it's not it's love, not a bad actually, browser. Edge. Oh, there's another thing you can do if you use Edge. You can do Microsoft Cash Back, and you'll get cash back at places. Yeah, like I bought. I got, I got twenty twenty two bucks. Yeah, I bought Kaido from AliExpress and they gave me they're giving me like thirty dollars cash back. Yeah. Which is and then I just you can just cash it out to your PayPal. Yeah, yeah. So it's wild. Like the amount of money Microsoft will give you just to use their stuff. And don't get me wrong, Bing Search is still awful. Yeah, it's, it's not kind great. Of weird. I have a weird dilemma with that because the reason Google search is so good is because everybody uses it. So if you're trying to do a new search engine, it's almost impossible to do it because you need a hell of a lot of searches so it's yeah. like microsoft rewards is like a the only way you could break through like literally like 
pay people to use it. It's it's like such a fascinating thing. Yeah, it it's really interesting because like I will I've noticed I will get different search uh search results. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um just like flip-flopping between the two. So uh what I'll do sometimes on my phone is I'll look up something in um Microsoft Edge. Or no, I'm using Copilot because it's kind of all in one app. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah. and then I'll and then I'll um uh, I'll export that link to Google Chrome on my phone because it reads better there. That just sounds like I don't know, this sounds like a scam. Like we're it, gonna it, pay you to use it. It sounds stuff. like a scam, like, but it's like what's the catch? What's the catch here? It I mean, sounds I mean, like a scam, but it's like it's not. Microsoft I mean, you're really is secretly, just searching. They're secretly using your identity, maybe possibly. I mean, everybody they, already, is. they already have it though. Like, yeah, if you everybody, want to be everybody is. Everyone already Amazon. Has, I don't know, man. It just there's an Amazon program where you scan receipts. How and how so is this like also, a sustainable company model? This is my they question. Have, they have like, how is paying have, people to use your service? I mean, because they have all they have want to do. They just want to get your real. eyes on that screen long enough so that you make it a habit, so that you will do it more. So they can, yeah, they have yeah, they, they have more, more billion dollars. Back in my day, we used to play games for fun and search the internet for information. But now it's just all about keeping your eyes on the screen, no matter what. I mean, I'm having fun playing solitaire. I mean, I I feel like it's an it's a nice thing to relax with. Like, look at this, fellas. With the Amazon Shopper Panel app, since 2021, I've made $432. See? You spent. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Is All like I a- do, you scan like 10 receipts a month. And sure, they're getting your data. You're, you're selling them your data for 10 bucks. Totally devaluing your data. But at the same point, same point, same point, if they want to see I bought, I buy cat food every month and they want to give me 10 bucks for it go for it <laughs> yeah like like i'll scan i'll scan my like taco bell receipt like i don't care yeah. if they know i eat a taco bell yeah there's there's a a ton of stuff like that um microsoft mm. you can scan receipts too but mm. they give you like pennies there it's well that's how i got that's how i got the 20 the 20 dollars like it, it just it, it's something happened and it's like i was able to cash out like 20 bucks well because they every sixth receipt they'll give you have like a chance to get like a higher amount yeah i don't know if i won that one but i just i knew i knew it wasn't showing up in the app but then i did it on the desktop one day and then it was like there i don't know if if they're willing to pay you that much how much are they getting out of this like how much are they making off of you oh uh, so much yeah that's why that's why california uh enacted that law a couple years ago um for like cookies on on a website so Cal- mm-hmm. if, if your browser detects that you're in California or if a website detects that, um, you can opt out of cookies yeah. on a website so they can't track you anymore. See, my thing is, like, at, at this point, it's just impossible to reverse unless I'm going to, like, devote my life to, like, trying to stop it and, like, get everyone together to, like, you know, enact legislation or whatever. Yeah. yeah. But at this point, like we lost that battle so far that I yeah. might as well get $10 from it. <laughs> yeah, it, exactly. Like if they want to <laughs> like it, as, as uh, I can't think of the, I can't think of the word like as just kind of fatalistic to think it's like, there are worse thing, worse people out there that can have my data, you know? Yeah. And plus like by using are like there? you're already shopping on Amazon you're already like using Microsoft stuff. Like you're already using their browser, their computers. They already have their data at this point. They're just 
this is one of the few instances where they're actually being honest or let's say relatively honest that you're interacting or, you know, with them in, in exchange of data instead of just like them giving it all to the NSA and the NSA is like, yeah, we have it all anyways. Yeah. At least this exactly. one, you're aware that I'm giving them receipts <laughs> otherwise, like, cause did you know, like, um, it only takes like three points of data to pinpoint you exactly. Like if you, if you go like three places during the day, if they know those three spots, they can like pin it down to you. Yeah. Something like that. Just I used to make like a joke that like, you go, when you go, like, I used to make a joke that like in California, whenever there was an earthquake, uh, depending on which ones of my friends were posting about it and how quickly they were doing it, I can triangulate the epicenter of the, of the earthquake. Uh, but you know also what else is in my search history on like Microsoft, like what they definitely know I've been searching is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah, I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. definitely everything knows that I search that a lot. And yeah. that's, that's actually what this show's about. We actually do talk about Ninja Turtles on this yeah, show. Yeah, I was going to say, they know that I was looking up these three episodes that we watched. Yeah. We're sticking through the first half hour of this podcast to listen to the Ninja Turtles. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, it is it is wild. It, it really is wild that, like, we talk about Ninja Turtles on this show, but we do. Uh, through the power on, of editing, they never have to know. <laughs> believe it or not, believe it or not, we talk about Ninja Turtles. Uh, the, these are the facts. And and so speaking of which, you know, what we what we mean to talk about with Ninja Turtles today is episodes 10, 11 and 12 of season 1 of the 2003 TV series. Yeah, so this is the Shredder Strikes part 1 and 2 and then the Unconvincing Turtle Titan. And great episodes, great episodes. <laughs> I am so happy. Really? Yeah. Oh. All right. I mean, yeah, you can feel that way. Uh, uh, you know, I, the thing is, is like you'll you'll learn really quickly that that Mike just you know hates the show and just uh, I don't hate the it. show. I enjoyed the last couple episodes, uh, but spoiler alert: I didn't really care for these three. <laughs> that really surprised me. Like I, I thought these were way better than the last couple episodes. You know, it's yeah. it's it's weird, and I knew this was going to kind of come up, but yeah. Uh, all right, well, well, without further ado, uh, we'll get into our next segment. The Ancient One did tell me a story I think you guys would want to hear about Master Splinter's master, Hamato Yoshi. Well, let's hear it. Let me tell you a story. So this is Sh- The Shredder Strikes Part 1, originally aired April 12th, 2003, written by Michael Ryan. So the boys are all doing weapons training, and Leo beats them all, claiming his swords are the superior weapon. Splinter calls him out and orders him to attack, humbling the turtle by catching his sword in his hands. Splinter says that until Leo learns that a weapon is only as strong as the arm that guides it, he's learned nothing. On the roof later that night, Leo is still reeling from Splinter's lesson when a member of the Foot Clan a few buildings away takes aim at him with a bow and arrow. Leo stops the arrow, which has a note attached to it, inviting him to meet with Oroku Saki. He goes to the, lo- to the location in the note, but he's ambushed by 13 foot soldiers who he easily dispatches. Rokusaki then reveals himself and offers an alliance with Leo to defeat an even greater enemy. Leo's a bit less than convinced, given the Foot Clan has been after him and his family for a while. Saki tells Leo to go home and meditate on it, giving him an antique sword as a gift. His brothers tailed Leo and have seen this entire exchange through the skylight and are a little worried. Meanwhile, two of those, like, Neo from the Matrix-looking dudes 
report back to their three leaders about this development. Those three leaders warn that they may need to eliminate the turtles if they're on Saki's side. On his way back to the lair, Leo is confronted by his brothers. A small fight breaks out between Raph and Leo before Leo decides that the best thing to do is to, to consult with Splinter. Splinter reveals that he knows exactly what the Foot Clan is. He tells the rest of his origin that we, he was Hamato Yoshi's pet rat who learned ninjutsu by mimicking his movements from his cage. The Foot Clan accused Yoshi of working with their enemy and roughed him up for some info. Splinter tried to save Yoshi, and he's the one who left that scar on Hun's face, but ultimately the Shredder cut down Yoshi. The Turtle Boys decide to cut Shredder no slack. They go topside to return the sword and battle the Foot Clan. They defeat the Foot Ninjas, but then Hun shows up and just goes ham on the Turtles, beating up Mike and Don, then going full, like, first movie Avengers, Hulk on Loki, like, smashing him into the ground style on Raph. Hun uses the gifted sword that Leo is returning for the to the fight, uh, and he fights Leo with that, disarming him, but then Leo's able to go all super somersault kick mode on Hun, knock him through a skylight and defeat him. Those two uh, Neo from the Matrix looking dudes, they see this fight and report back that the turtles are against Saki, though not necessarily on their side yet. As they go to head back to their sewer layer, the turtles are intercepted by the Shredder. To be continued. In The Shredder Strikes Part 2, reading from Turtlepedia, this was the original air date, April 19th, 2003, written by Michael Ryan. We pick up the action from the rooftop of an abandoned warehouse with the Shredder and a mass of foot soldiers ready to attack the TMNT. The Shredder and his foot attack and a huge battle on the roof unfolds. During the action, Leo swings at a foot soldier but misses and hits an electric transformer instead. The transformer starts sparking and then erupts into flames, causing the whole roof to catch fire. The team and T and the foot battle on in spite of the fire, but suddenly the roof collapses from the fire and the weight of the combatants. In the meantime, Splinter has emerged from his meditation and realized the team and T must have gone after Shredder on their own. He hightails it out of the lair to look for them, but on his way out he grabs one of Don's electric gadgets, the remote for the battle shell. As Splinter heads to the scene of the battle, the turtles are picking themselves up out of the debris of the burnt warehouse. However, in the collapse, they have become separated from each other. Therefore, vastly outnumbered by the foot that are looking for them, the mutants stick to the shadows and try to find each other. Don finds Mike, who has injured his ankle. The two avoid the foot soldiers and enter an abandoned bathroom via an open window, where Donnie wraps Mike's badly sprained ankle. Unfortunately, a child opens the door to the bathroom the turtles are working in and blows their cover. Raph hides in a dumpster until he has the opportunity to take out some foot soldiers, and then he's grabbed from behind by Master Splinter. Raph and Splinter find Donnie and Mikey, and after a battle where the sensei gets to kick some shell of his own, they call for the battle shell remotely and head out to find Leonardo. While searching for his brothers, Leo encounters a mysterious ninja who calls himself a guardian. Before Leo can introduce the guardian to Splinter and his brothers, the mysterious ninja vanishes. Leo climbs into the battle shell and our heroes are reunited. After listening to the turtles describe what has gone on so far in their battle with Shredder and the Foot, Splinter concludes they must take care of the Shredder once and for all. The turtles prepare to charge off and confront Shredder, but Splinter tells them to let Shredder come to them. They park the battle shell below a fire escape and go to the roof of a different building. It doesn't take long for Shredder and the Foot to find the turtles and Splinter, and another epic rooftop battle begins. This time the turtles manage to defeat all the foot soldiers, but Shredder outmatches them. Splinter steps in through a series of tricky moves, manages to have the Shredder contribute to his own demise by causing a water tower to collapse on top of him, washing him right off the roof. As Shredder tries to stand after his long fall, the remains of the tower smash him into the ground. 
Thinking they have beaten the Shredder in the foot, Splinter and the Turtles set off for home. But just at the close, we see Shredder's hand emerge from the wreckage of the water tower. Looks like the Turtles assume too much and the Shredder will return. The end. And so now we move to my episode, number 12, The Unconvincing Turtle Titan, written by Marty Eisenberg. This episode aired May 3rd of 2003. Now that the city seems a lot more peaceful since the Turtles defeated Shredder, Michelangelo can't help but think about how much more good they could do for the city. After watching the city's Superman archetype save a girl from a burning building and put the fire out, he is inspired to become a superhero. His brothers tease him, and Splinter tells him that it's best he stay a ninja instead of a superhero. Mikey gets out of the lair and tells April about his dream. She supports him and helps him pick out his superhero look and name. Michelangelo becomes the Turtle Titan and goes out on patrol. After helping some people that are doing things against their own interests, he finally discovers that someone has been using mind control on the people. The discovery is made on a bus speeding off of a dock. He's rescued by Silver Sentry, and Mikey fills him in on the mind control device that he discovered. Silver Sentry deduces that it must be his arch nemesis, Dr. Malignus. Refusing a team up, the Silver Sentry drops Mikey off and leaves to face his foe. The Turtle Titan decides he's going to follow regardless. By the time Michelangelo gets to Malignus's lair, Silver Sentry has fallen to the villain's mind control device. Mikey has to abandon his superhero antics and embrace his ninja skills to save Silver Sentry. He gains Silver Sentry's respect, and they take down Malignus together. Mikey is met with more teasing after returning to the lair. Silver Sentry thanks the Turtle Titan on the news. Uh, Michelangelo's brothers ask him if it was him that helped Silver Sentry, and he shrugs and disowns his superhero title, deciding to just be a Ninja Turtle instead. The end. Yeah, baby. Riveting stuff. I, you know, like I said, I, I actually really enjoy these episodes. I'm, you know, like I mean, I'm not surprised. Week, this is to me like where the show gets really good. Yeah, the last couple of episodes have been kind of, you know, really build up or like one time villainy, but these are these are really good ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely better when it's not like Turtles of the Week. Yeah, I don't know. I I enjoyed the Turtles of the Week stuff from last week, but I do think that. Uh, well, cause some of that stuff did a lot of building, like some character building or just kind of building of the world. Like it flushes out the purple dragons more in, in fallen angel and things like that. But, uh, these are definitely like the big story beats or at least the shredder yeah. strikes us. I think I'm just a little impatient too. There's <laughs> a lot of it. <laughs> like I, I know it's coming. I want to get to it. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fair. All right. I wonder if people have ever done like a, a a watch order where they've like cut out the fluff like that, and it's just like all. There was someone on Reddit who started doing that. And I think he only got through the first season of it, but um, That's I think awesome. like it was like Nano and uh, Fallen <laughs> Angel and like Tales of Leo or something. Like there were a couple that he was like he could just cut these out entirely, but only like four or five episodes in this first season, really, because like everything else kind of comes back later. Mm-hmm. So. Interesting. Sounds like yeah. someone should take a second time around at these then. Hey, uh, nice junk. All right. So episodes 10, the shredder strikes back. Well, it's not back. Just the shredder strikes part one. <laughs> Which there's an anchovy for later is that we have both the shredder strikes and the shredder strikes back in the se- same season. And they're both yeah. two partners and they both involve the same thing. <laughs> but it is some 
clunky naming. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the issue is, is like seeing he strikes back when he was like the, like that implies that the turtle struck, you know, first. And mm-hmm. so now he's striking back, but like he's now yeah, striking we- and then striking again. It'd be like the shutter strikes again. That's probably because we know shame. the way of yeah. martial arts. The turtles never start a fight. So exactly. Right. Exactly. Uh, this I don't really like the shredder strikes part one and two. I don't really have anything for second time around. I mean, other than them, like very specifically referencing the first issue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Like, because, because this is our first, like the turtles meeting shredder and having that rooftop fight. It's yeah. obviously a lot bigger fight here than it was in the comic. Um, but I think that's, yeah, it, it that's just by nature of this being an animated cartoon show and yeah. having to be a lot more interesting than the comic. Well, I mean, it's not so much having to be more interesting so much as that, like, you know, they're not creating a one shot story. I, that's, <laughs> so I think that's what I meant. Like, yeah, it's got to be it's got to be it's got to be bigger in that sense. Yeah. So so like Mike was saying, like this story does take things from the original comics. It adapts uh, a little bit of that more of that origin story in here. The differences being that Shredder is pursuing Yoshi for information rather than vengeance, so it's not personal. Uh, and so, you know, there's also Foot Ninjas and Hun that ganged up on on Splinter. Yeah. Uh, there's also kind of a nod to the 1990 movie of having Splinter scratch Hun's cheek instead of the Shredder's, but still he scratches someone's cheek trying to save his master Yoshi. A cheek must be scratched. Yeah, right. If I had a nickel. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, and this is like the first time we see Shredder all armored up and in this series. And uh, I'm pretty sure that this is where the concept for Dark Leo in the IDW series comes from. It's from this story where Leonardo almost joins the Shredder and it's like tease that he might actually end up being on his side. Uh, you know, Dark Leo and in, in IDW, they end up using more brainwashing instead of. Mm-hmm. Instead, of I never, I didn't get that from from this. Like, I mean, he was thinking about teaming up with the Shredder and thinking he's, he's that, kind of like Next Mutation Donny levels of naive. Yeah, yeah, like I think this was, I think this was more. I don't know. I, I the way I kind of read it, like yeah, like he was going to Shredder, like. And, and wanting to join him in that sense. But yeah, like, like Cody said, like it's, it's really more just kind of a naivete. Um, and then them not just not knowing who the shredder is, but also like that. It's also kind of splinter's fault. Cause he's like, when they get back home, splinter's like, I didn't want to tell you the whole time. <laughs> yeah. I knew well, who, they don't know who the foot clan is really. They, yeah, know they, don't, they, like, they don't know who these does. guys that have been attacking them for months. Like Leo says, uh, but I mean, but Splinter's known the entire time, so kind of a dick move, Splinter. Well, he like he um, says he doesn't want their are Leo's candy. So yeah, I mean, Splinter Splinter makes a good point um, of like I didn't want your training to be tainted by vengeance, which is a big change yeah. from the comic. Yeah. Um, which I do kind of like that they do address that that he's not specifically raising the turtles to be assassins. Um, for his revenge fantasy, which that that is nice. It does feel like he kind of hoped this would happen. <laughs> I don't just in case. <laughs> just in case. I don't really yeah, read I'm it that saying, way. Because it's like, why would he still do? Why would he still do it then? 
Like I gave you all these ninja skills. If you wouldn't mind, like you don't have to, but I mean, if you thing, didn't mind to me, it doesn't I come off that way like. at all. To me, it comes off as like, I gave you these skills to protect ourselves. It looks like shredder knows we exist. We're going to have to address this because it's causing us all these problems. And so now that's what they're setting out to do is go confront him because they've been, being I feel like, I feel like splinter kind of gives up wanting to hide at some point. Um, like he, like, yeah, he reprimands them for it, but he lets Donnie build the battle shell <laughs> and drive around the street with it. Like they're not hiding. So it's like he, he's not, he's trying to have it both ways. I mean, he's I think letting it's them just, call attention to themselves. I think that's just cartoon logic that their car. I mean, no, is it, it obviously is cartoon logic, but it's like, but that's why I'm going to, that's why I'm going to nitpick it because it's like, it, it, it's not like 87 where like that's part of the camp, but like this is specifically a story beat where they have to remain hidden. You know, oh, like to the whole like cartoon logic we, we've mm-hmm. seen in volume four, like they're building a battle shell. So it's not, it's not the, solely it, like we got volume four, volume Clearly four. There he has it. Like he wants to build a cool van even on his own. <laughs> like yeah, an like, armored car is a lot more subtle than any other turtle vehicle. A rocket powered. I mean, the rockets are a little car. extra. But the thing is, is that it's, at know. the end of the day, it's an armored truck. They also, they don't know how to drive. It looks a lot more like, like they an can actual They learn ninjutsu, truck. but a, a driver's ed course is beyond yeah. them. Um, I mean, that's only at the very beginning when they first learn to drive it. They know how to do it now just fine. Uh, I know. They would get pulled over immediately. <laughs> yeah. so One thing. thing like uh, rap on that motorcycle in IDW. It's like, he's not getting, he's not getting out of town on that yeah. thing. Yeah. <laughs> One thing I thought I thought was kind of interesting from the first episode was um and, and I'm sure it's not like the same uh thing, but it's uh Leo like really talking about like how his swords kind of define him. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, it's kinda we just kind of read about that in Blindsight. Like and, and I know this predates Blindsight, but I was like, oh that's that was interesting. Yeah. It also, also kind of starts the like later story beat of Leo being frustrated that he thinks he's already learned everything and yeah. Summer's like holding something back on him, which is cool to see it this early in the show. Like that's a big plot point, like season four and oh, is it one. okay? That's yeah, cool. Yeah, so cool stuff that you see on rewatches. Yeah, are we going to talk about the unconvincing turtle titan then? <laughs> Do we have to? Oh heck yeah! I love this episode. So there's right some the great, Mike. <laughs> I mean, come on, dude. I was never this awful about the 87 series <laughs> or, no, no, or the no, no, no. mutation. I was never uh, like, oh, do we have to? This is so <laughs> painful for me to recognize its existence. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, I'm, not so good. I'm not that bad about it. Uh <laughs> Literally every single so, time we say, yeah, you might listen to our episode one time, Mike. <laughs> I've listened to all of to them so fair. far. I've been very specific about the things I don't like, uh, rather than just the general hatred. So beloved that it, it invites com- some contrarian. I think, yeah, I, I do think it does need, I, I think that extra hype that 2003 has does make it deserving of a little bit more criticism. And that's why I think I'm going through it a little bit more. Because, like I said, I at the beginning of this start, I want to go through this. 
that that's the way I feel about the 87 series and the 2012 series. Like so overhyped by people all the time that they definitely Absolutely. deserve to be knocked down a peg every second I, you know, every second of the day, all the time, every chance I get, for sure. <laughs> I that's, I mean, that's hey, why I, I don't, don't do that. Hype. I just I just watch it and make my own opinion of it. Right? Exactly, exactly. And yeah. hey, and that's what the show is. It shows my opinions too. So, anyway. Drill Titan, Michelangelo appears to be ambidextrous <laughs> in this episode. He's just drawn with both his right and his left hand in different scenes. That's good. Uh, <laughs> so, in 1993, Playmates released an action figure of Michelangelo as a superhero called Super Mike. So, this is the second time that he is a superhero. There's also some uh, puns about with different superhero names at one point, while, the, while uh, Leonardo and the others are teasing Michelangelo. Uh, the Shelltastic Four is a pun on the Fantastic Four. The Legion of Sewer Heroes is a pun on the Legion of Sewer. That one was pretty. That one got me. That was yeah, pretty good. That was good. That, that there's definitely a reason why they ended on that one. Uh, and it's there's another one that I didn't write down in time. But for anyone what who doesn't the, know, like something Justice League. It might have been like the Just Shell League or something. I don't know. I can't remember what it was. I didn't write that one down. I missed it. Uh, I could have rewound that, I guess, but I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> the Legion of Superheroes, the the Legion of Superheroes, was the best one that I wanted to to say easily. Which uh, for the, the, record, the Ninjustice League, the Ninjustice, yeah, that's League. good. The Ninjustice that's League, good. the Sheltastic Four, the Legion of Superheroes. And for people who don't know, the Legion of Superheroes is a DC comic that's in the far flung future where there's just a whole legion of people who are superheroes who now go around and help and police the galaxy together. Is that what Booster Gold is from? Special Rings. No. No, his story's a little different. Hmm. But he does he does have a legion flight ring because he stole it from a museum. It's it's yeah. almost, that's a whole other <laughs> like story. He, like yeah, like he's that. he's part of the legion, but it's no, yeah, he's, not, it's he's, like, he's not part of the Legion. So he's he's from the far distant future. No, no, no. He's he's a failed football player that gets kicked out of, of football because he bet on his own games in college. Uh, or at least this is the original origin story from the original Brewster Gold comic. I haven't read the 2000s one yet. I'm getting close to it. But he gets kicked out. And then so he's now security guard at a museum for soul with old superhero stuff in it. And he just desperately wants to, I don't know, have have a second chance and like have the glory and everything else that he had before as a, as a football player. And so he steals rip hunters time machine along with a bunch of other superhero stuff, throws it on uh, and jumps in the time machine and goes back to the eighties to save the president from being assassinated and become a superhero. As you do. And so he's got a video game. He he's like a really complex character. I I love Booster Gold, probably one of my favorite characters of all time. Like a great character because like he's not a bad guy. Like he he is a he's a good guy. He's a hero, and he and he grows as well and becomes more heroic over time. But he's also like a total sellout and and everything else, and is you know definitely gets in it in the game for the the glory kind of thing more so than the the right reasons. Just because you're a bad guy doesn't make you a bad you're guy. A bad guy. Yeah, it's love that movie. Parker. All right. Right. Another another potential yeah. comic book reference here is that uh, in an interview with Peter Laird talking about these different episodes of the season, he says that he thinks Silver Sentry would be a great a good icon for Mikey. And I don't know. I just feel mm-hmm. like it's such a specific wording. 
that I feel like it has to be a nod towards the character icon. I could be wrong. I think, but I, you know, right. I I was gonna I was gonna point out it was it was really interesting that they made their Superman allegory uh, black, and mm-hmm. that is one cool. Um, two, uh, yeah, like I think I I think maybe the icon reference, which uh, if nobody knows who icon is i don't blame you it was a uh dc imprint and or it wasn't a dc imprint in the 90s it was a milestone, milestone. comics um dc owns it now yeah, um, it was an imprint under dc called milestone done by that, that, that's i knew there was i knew the dc connection was early mm-hmm. uh, but it was icon he was a it was he's created by Dwayne mcduffie um who's a fantastic writer um uh fortunately passed away recently he um not to dumb it down he is essentially black superman um but also like i I, like i said i'm dumbing it down a lot um it is a great comic book it is a very good comic it's on the dc Um, universe app i'm sure you can find it other places too yeah but essentially Uh, he's kind of become like jaded and it reserves himself but he is an alien but he doesn't he's not a superhero until he meets this girl uh, this teenage girl who's definitely, I don't know, more more in touch with what it's like to live in poverty and to, yeah. to live uh, a rougher life. And he like and lives with her for a while and she like convinces him. Well, he doesn't live like, with her, but she she and her friends try to rob his house. <laughs> oh, that's right. He stops them. And so then she uh, eventually meets back up with him and convinces him to become a superhero because they learn about his superpowers and the, yeah. the confrontation and she becomes a sidekick rocket. Uh, anyway, great, great comic book. If you can ever find it, it's really, yeah. really good. Um, but yeah, like I was, I was in what we were talking about. I think that is a lot better of a comparison than just calling this silver century Superman. Uh, I was going to point out, this is very much a Michael Dooney designed superhero costume. Because it's just a white leotard <laughs> with the logo and a cape. Yeah, very radical that way. Yeah, it's like it's very just radical. I mean, I'm pretty sure radical <laughs> was designed by Kevin Eastman, but yeah, but like Michael Dooney's, who I more associate with radical, just because he drew her more. Uh, I mean, he drew her in a story, and so did Kevin Eastman. But, but yeah, I, I can see what you mean. They definitely the story that was had the art done by Michael Dooney was a lot more memorable in my opinion then. Yeah. Then uh, some of the original ones. Oh, Michelangelo uses grappling hooks, which I'm sure is maybe possibly a reference to 87. How he traded in his nunchucks for the, the grappling hooks. Yeah. 100%. Especially yeah. since like that was due to censorship for them to be the hero turtles. And he's mm-hmm. now being a superhero. I feel like there's a lot of dots to connect there. Yeah. Um, to to the superhero part of the turtles that was definitely emphasized in the 87 series. Any other uh hints or well, any other things that we found? I, I just can't believe I've I watched this show in high school. I played the game. I owned the toy Turtle Titan, <laughs> and today was the first day I ever realized he only has one glove. That really kind of bothered me. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. And I don't know how I even noticed it. I don't know how I didn't notice it before, but 
So weird. I mean, he's he's dressing up with stuff from April's junk shop. She probably has the other half of the glove is probably lost, and that's why she just gave it to him. Is because what's she gonna do with one glove? You know? Yeah. She's like, I only have one three finger <laughs> glove. Yeah. Uh, the child that uh, the child in the last episode that spots Mikey and Donnie in uh, his mom's bathroom, and the child in this episode are both voiced by Veronica Taylor, who plays Ash Ketchum in Pokemon or who played Ash Ketchum. Uh, and she is definitely doing her Ash Ketchum voice. Hmm. All right. I had it on the TV behind me. So I knew I just like, I heard it and I knew that was her. <laughs> All right. We get to That's move cool. on to anchovies. I think so. Yeah. Okay. No anchovies. You put anchovies on this thing and you're in big trouble. Okay. I call legend low. So stuff in the, the shredder strike story. Uh, I wish that in the flashback for when like Han and people were taken down uh, Hamato Yoshi, that they drew Han with that younger look that they also gave him for when for like Casey's flashback in in Meet Casey Jones, how he had like the do rag and just looked younger in general. Yeah, because uh, it, it kind like of implies. All. Yeah, yeah, it kind of it kind of implies that 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 happens a lot sooner. Yeah, like. It, it's a lot a, closer to where we like present day. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm nitpicking a little bit, but I, I do wish that they would have done that. It's like a small detail that I just think would have been nice. Well, and the timeline works out really well too. Cause like mm-hmm. if Casey's in his early mid twenties, he would have been, you know, a child at the same time, 15 years ago. Right. So yeah, the timeline works out really well. I don't particularly care for the change to the origin, like having everybody there like kind of bum rushing Yoshi. Uh, something, I don't know. It, it makes it feel less personal, but I guess like also at the same point, like shredder has a different motivation for, against Yoshi this time around. Like it's yeah. not personal, um, but it just, it doesn't make shredder seem that more imposing if he's having everybody else do it. And then he just comes in at the end. Like the shock, the shock torture thing. I didn't like that was, I don't know. I didn't care about that. Um, Like, I don't know. It just, the changes didn't jive with me. Mm -hmm. For me, it doesn't really matter that much, but at the same time, also he's like the big bad, you know, it's, it's like the, the CEO thing where the CEO of the company doesn't go around and do it, do what the grunts do. Uh, You know, he's in charge. He's the big bad guy. He's gonna have no, his grunts do everything. He just he just comes yeah. in and kicks him in the back while they're fighting his lackeys. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, for me, the, other, the, oh, the oh yeah, for me the a big uh, anchovy I have is just like the hokey dialogue when they're like talking about their weapons while they fight. Yeah. And yeah. Like if you're really a ninja turtle, needs to protect himself. A bow staff's the way to go. And it's like just shut up and fight, guys. God. <laughs> yeah. Like, it it just feels like someone was like, hey, we hired these guys. We gotta let them like talk the entire time you know <laughs> like yeah you wouldn't see that in a comic book but. it's also just kind of weird because like it it kind of makes like th- that all that dialogue kind of makes it feel like they're reinforcing that they're they, they can only use these weapons mm-hmm. like like their weapons are their you know de- are that they're defined by their weapons just like they have to be you know blue red orange and purple like it but like but we know they can use different weapons or like you know we watch them training to use different weapons in other shows it's so it it's i don't know 
Yeah, like the the dialogue was really hokey and like really seemed to kind of just like this is a kid's cartoon, you know, so you know that the orange one has the nunchucks. Yeah. But you know, at the same time, it's you know, each weapon is their preference. And so just like a Ninja Turtle fan will sit and argue about their whatever their preferred show is being the best one, they're they're doing the same thing with their weapons. Yeah. You know? I think they were trying to kind of tie it back to that theme from the very beginning of the episode, which I, I think they did well throughout the entire show. Like, you know, the weapon does not define you, but like they were trying too hard with that dialogue to tie it yes. all together. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, I definitely that was to me like the biggest weakness, especially the, the biggest affront to me was like Mikey talking about his nunchucks, how they can give his brother a boost. But like he sets it up so early that it's like there's no way yeah. that he would be planning this already, you know, and like like how long is Don just standing there waiting to jump on his nunchuck, you know? Yeah. Kind yeah. of thing is what's yeah, yeah, I think Michelangelo's like it, it'll give you a boost. And Don's like, what? He's like, it'll give you a boost. And Don's like, I'm fighting four guys. And Don's like, Mike's like, it'll give you a boost. He's like, yeah. oh, fine. Oh, you're trying Jesus. to tell me something. Oh, geez. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, it's all too seamless. And he's been saying, he's been talking for too long before that moment yeah. For, yeah. for it to like, that's definitely adds to the hokiness. I also, I still don't enjoy the, the weapon spinning all the time. And it's not, it's not all the time anymore. It doesn't seem like it was really bad. The first couple episodes, it's kind of cooled down with like Raph's size and whatnot. But in this one, Leo spins his swords around when he pulls them out of his, uh, out of his scarabs. I'm like, why, 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 why are we spinning our weapons yeah, all the time? Guys? Really? Cause he's the only spinning that really makes sense is the bow staff and the chucks. Cause that's, yeah, what, I mean, yeah. the chucks have to spin and the bow staff. I don't mind like, Raph doing it. Cause they're still, they're small enough to do it. No, nobody's like Leo, Leo doing it all the time is is kind of they're teenagers. I've so. I've seen real people spin bow staffs. That's a thing. Chuck spin. Sometimes people get twirly with the swords, but you're not like twirling about trying to cut yeah. people. And you know what? You know what it was. Nobody is spinning size. Everybody during this era thought Obi Wan Kenobi was the coolest guy in the world for twirling his lightsaber around, and so everybody had to do it. I mean, Obi Wan is still the coolest guy around. <laughs> so. um, can we talk uh, about yeah, the specifically real... because of that? You and McGregor. What are we talking about? I mean, um, the real, the biggest anchovy is the origin of Splinter. Splinter being a rat first is terrible. I'll, I'll even say it, it's not awful. It's super hokey. I hate it. Um, I liked, he uh, would remember nothing. Yeah, I like. He's a, just a super intelligent rat. I like Spinner's theory that like he's like they're. That's not really what happened. It's just kind of him like making memories as he's mutating. Yeah, one hundred percent. That's what I liked is is my fan like is my you know fan canon or whatever is yeah. that when Splinter mutates he he remembers things completely differently than how they really were. Like he, he ha now has an advanced brain that is now processing old thoughts and he's gaining all these feelings and creating false memories. I mean, in emotions based on like those memories that, that weren't there I before mean, now. That his brain I like that like, a lot better than normal rat learn ninjutsu from. I have an advanced one, brain yeah. now and I don't remember anything from when I was a child. But, I think, but you know, me, you, can, you can have fun with it. I I can't. Mutant Mayhem, Mutant Mayhem does it in a in a in a way that's not super egregious because he's only he he's mostly doing just rat stuff and then he mutates uh -huh. and it's like okay, um, IDW, they at least bake into the whole like 
you know, the mutagen does rapidly increase their intelligence. And he's he's also still mostly doing ratty stuff. And well, then they have, like, the reincarnation. But yeah. when they're just doing purely, like, he's a rat super attached to his master. No. No. I, no. Can't. Yeah, I think that was one of the better he's not hanging from, He's opinion. not hanging from the windowsill in horror and then, like, giving up on life after. <laughs> I, I think that he just already was a supernaturally smart rat at the, to, from the get-go before being, being mutated you know he just was like some sort of genetic freak among rats maybe you know on the next ladder of the rung of evolution uh and and so because that's why yoshi took him in, in the first place is because he was you know fascinating is that a spoiler for later i mean i guess that's really actually the comics not not here that's not a spoiler yeah. for later because because it's actually different in the series but i i think that like splinter is just already an abnormally intelligent rat uh, I know Maybe. it says that in, just... in, in other in so in Ninja Turtles and other strangeness it says that that like some animal like some animals are just already super intelligent before even being mutated like Splinter or something like that. Anyway, <laughs> he's just he's just already a super intelligent rat. Yeah, I do tend I to prefer think... the the Hamato Yoshi is Splinter. It's just a lot. Yeah, because it makes it so yeah. much yeah. more compelling. Because then it's like yeah. not like he was like so screwed over. He has all those human memories. Like he had. Like, like a real beef and vendetta and now he's a rat and then like yeah. you have the cool like the the interesting bit of and not a lot of stories actually deal with it of him like losing his humanity really and like him like mm-hmm. being like oh this sucks um but there's there's so much more there and it just it works so much better i think it's one of the rare cases where like the cartoon like immediately fixed a glaring problem yeah well, I think it, it also makes like the Rat King a more compelling villain because it it, it it allows you to tell those stories of like him losing his humanity and whatnot. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, my I, other yeah, one I'm is kind of Shredder has a weird head shape. Rokusaki <laughs> oh, like or Shredder? He's got a terrible posture. <laughs> like when he's he like walking up to Leo in uh, the in Shredder in part one. <laughs> Like he doesn't have to worry about his posture. It's I like, mean, like, yeah, granted, like we know he doesn't have to <laughs> worry about his posture. True, it doesn't yeah. even matter. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think just overall for these two episodes, I I, I thought the action was kind of boring. Um, like a lot of it happens, and it's it. I don't know. Like I I just I wasn't getting invested in in the action. Um, I think a lot of the music really kind of kind of got all over the place. And then like you'd have Mikey doing like way too many silly things during it. And so like the, the I would lose I would lose the tone. Like I just I just really just did not jive with these two. Speaking which I knew was going to be I knew was going to kind of be an issue because like I, I knew these were going to be the two episodes that like you guys were going to like like the most. The thing is, is the, the turtles are always like Michelangelo, especially is always doing silly things during fights. Like, I feel like if you like the 1990 movie, you can't really have beef with this show's Mikey saying stuff like like they had they throw a guy on the floor during the 1990 movie and spin him around and say, Wheel of Fortune. Well, you know, no, but, like, but that's it's, but that's it's not that's not as, that's not, not the shredder movie. fight. That's not the shredder fight is my point. Yeah, okay, when so when this... they're standing all around and he's just like, I guess all that hardware is for cutting coleslaw. That's, they're not fighting. And they're they're standing there just kind of They're standing there before the fight. Like that's that's the build up to the fight. 
I, I like I said, I, you don't have to. We don't have to nitpick exactly like that. Uh-huh. I'm just saying, like, it just for some reason, like a lot of the, it just as as it flowed, it just it didn't jive for me, and also like it felt like things were going on for too long. Um, I think so this I just, show specifically it, it it causes a problem for itself because it takes like the ninjutsu very seriously, like the shredder very seriously, like it's it's. It mixes a lot of like we are very serious real ninjas, and so that juxtaposition is more obvious if that makes sense when when they're being like goofy and quippy. That's, that's sort of the magic of it is like you would expect like like real like like Leo cutting a guy or like hitting him with the hilt of yeah. a sword. Instead, they're just kicking each other a whole bunch, you know. <laughs> yeah, making jokes well, and whatnot. So, and that's yeah. Well, the thing is, is, like Michelangelo always makes jokes during fights. This is like a a common Ninja Turtles thing that is. Yeah, it's true. Right. I'm not. I'm not saying about this show that just it it sticks out more to me. And I yeah, think that's I, I that's why. just what it is. Is like it it's something something about it is just rubbing me the wrong way. It's it's kind of the same like we were talking before, like with Tori, where it's like you know they the ninja are stealthy and they vanish and then they hop in the battle shell. It's just like some of it's just too on the nose, like with like we're serious real ninjas and like among the iterations, this one has like a lot more like ninja ness, and, and then when it like works in like all the goofy stuff, it just seems more glaring to me. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I guess my last thing, it's typically a, a normal thing with, with cartoons in general, because uh, this happens in all of the cartoons, is that, like, Shredder has the chance to, like, stab the turtles and ends up punching them or kicking them. And, and granted, mm-hmm. every single cartoon does this. Every single yeah. cartoon. 2012, all of them. Uh, you know, it's one of those reasons why I'm always like, yeah, let's have the Shredder as, like, a DLC character in Mortal Kombat, because then we could actually see the Shredder tread. Someone, <laughs> because the cartoon that's always like, oh man, he's right behind him, and what does he do? He punches them or he kicks them when uh, yeah. he could do something else. But as a kid, I remember always being like, why doesn't he do it? Do that, you know? Uh, but it goes for every that goes for every single show. It's just a, yeah. a problem with. It would be interesting media. if they could <laughs> if they could go there all the time, and the turtles were getting like stabbed, and they had to like. Or cut, yeah. Leo's out of commission because he just got clawed to the shoulder. It kind of happens. I think that would be cool. Or for a little bit, true. Twist his ankle and stuff. Yeah. At the same time, though, that's something that could happen to me. So you know, I need some ninja injuries. (laughs) That's why I'm more invested in that one. It could happen (laughs) to me. Ooh, I've been there, Mikey. Oh, twisted your ankle. I've been there, man. I was walking down the stairs this morning. I know how it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If the turtles could put themselves out of commission by just like standing up off the couch, that would be a little too close to home. <laughs> There's Raph's bad knees again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought it, one, more thing I thought was, one more thing I thought was just kind of jarring was just was, was the Hun fight with Leo and the sword. Like it was, I don't know. I, I, haven't found hung super engaging when he's with the shredder like when he's doing purple dragon stuff i like him more but like when he's with the shredder i don't i don't like him as the shredder's like enforcer um and also the sword like kept changing sizes because it's like 
really small when Leo has it, but then it's like it's big. It's like, sword. yeah, it's like as tall as as Leo is when Hun's holding it. So I just that was just that's just an animation error. I didn't want to nitpick that too much, but yeah. Well, swords in the show are magic in general because like sometimes yeah. Leo's swords will cut through something, and other times they're just big baseball bats. Like he, yeah, like he, like I we, we were joking about that earlier. It's like Leo takes out everybody with his swords, but like only knocks their weapons out of the, the, their hands. But, but then also when he's fighting the foot soldiers later, he's cutting their swords and like cutting through their swords. Yeah, their magic like sword. I said, this is this is the problem just across all the cartoons where it's like and with the turtles having weapons in general is that mm-hmm. there's always like, how do we make the turtles use their weapons, but also not actually like cut anybody? Yeah, no. <laughs> and, and they they yeah, fail at Leo's it. Just cutting hands version. off all the time. He's just like making yeah. people constantly. <laughs> that'd be wild all right so good to talk about the uh episode 12 turtle titan so i I honestly don't have much for this one other than like i still feel if we talked about this earlier like it 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 feels weird having like superman level heroes like i I know we just said mentioned icon i'm just going back to superman um it just feels like that level of Superman or superhero interacting feels weird, but also like I didn't mind it so much here because it felt like Silver Century was kind of visiting more so than he works in New York. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because otherwise, like if you realize there's like a Superman, it's like track that get die guy down for every problem you have yeah, hey, yeah. you, you got to help us murder shredder <laughs> why is, yeah like why isn't he taking care of the foot that's well because uh, he's taking care of dr malignus and other threats kind of one of the issues i have with like batman versus tmnt the comic is that they mention the justice league and it's like why do the turtles have to stay there then and fight batman's villains can't the justice league do it oh because batman <laughs> batman can't bring the league in he's got to do this on yeah. his own gotham city is his problem <laughs> The Justice League are just snooty like that. Yeah. No, it's it's just yeah, it is, like that is the problem. Batman's like... a self righteous butthole. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Two things can be true. <laughs> yeah, that is that is very true. Uh for me, yeah. I mean my only thing is like I don't like that Mikey it's a nitpick. It's definitely a major nitpick. But I don't like that he wears the mask his mask with the with the superhero mask. Like his ninja mask with the superhero mask at the same <laughs> his time. His mask <laughs> yeah, I, that's something to mind too. Especially because like the cape is red and the mask is orange. Yeah, just do not go. I guess I, I didn't like. notice it. It didn't. That didn't bug me. Yeah, that didn't, that doesn't bug me either. Oddly, like I said, it's a to me. It's, it's like incredibly noticeable, but it, it, it's it just it's yeah. In most turtle iterations, like they never take off their bandanas, so it might as well just be like permanent. Yeah. Like, in a lot of iterations, you don't necessarily get like bandana list turtles and because it's also like why are you wearing bandanas guys like <laughs> i think so that the splinter can tell them apart i think that they're supposed to be like headbands but like because their foreheads are so short they have to make them into a mask i think that's <laughs> the adapting. idea behind yeah. it. <laughs> so wait 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 where did he get the shell shield from like i know it was junk from april's uh, from the second time around, but like, did she just have a shell? 
Like, yeah, she probably had it left over from like the '87 series. Like, it was it was junk from that. that (laughs) I bet it. I bet it was like like some sort of like platter, like like just a tacky platter. And uh, now he uses it as a shield. All right, like a shell bowl. I like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like a shell bowl. Yeah. All right. If uh, if you look up Turtle Titan on Turtlepedia, um. It has a disambiguation page where it's like it's all the different versions or uh, that have called themselves Turtle Titan. Yeah. Uh, so we see Turtle Titan two from fast forward, uh, but it also lists like Ronin Mikey. Yeah, because well, in the last Ronin, uh, in the Lost Years, there was that period where he's cage fighting, and they call him the Turtle Titan. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right. Okay, good. Thank you for clarifying. All right, we're good to talk about what we loved then. I think so. Let's do it. I love being a turtle! All right. Well, in the Shredder Strikes back, well, it's not back, just the Shredder Strikes. Uh, I <laughs> yeah, you love. Know, you gotta stop. You gotta stop. I know. <laughs> the Shredder Strikes. I love how dramatic Pet Rat Splinter is. I, I love when he like falls from the window. See so how dramatic it is. It's yeah. kind of funny. It's, it's, laying in very, the it's very funny. Yeah. Uh, I think it's enjoyable. I did love Raph's line at the very beginning of the episode when he's like, you know what I love about weapons training? The weapons. <laughs> like, yeah. that was a great line. It, I genuinely laughed. Uh, like that, was, too, that was fun. Later, he gets like thrown off a building by, by Leo and he stabs him to the side of the building and saves himself. And he's like, yeah. you thought swords were the best. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so good. I yeah, actually I, just, I enjoyed the weapons talk and argument. Like I thought that was fun. Yeah, I thought they did a good job. Like, like they do this the way the '87 series never did this, where it's like in the beginning they're doing weapons training. Leo thinks swords are the best, and then that kind of becomes a theme throughout the show. Where then he's like, he's tempted with a better sword. He fights a guy with that better sword. He loses his sword, and he wins the fight weaponless. You know, so he he kind of does learn the lesson as he goes. It's it's a really like it's a cohesive story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I I also really like Leo's fight with Han. I think that that was like the sword choreography and things that were going on there were fun to watch and really entertaining. I actually sometimes there's there's moments where I actually thought that his fight with Han was better than than the fight with Shredder uh, when Shredder actually came. I really liked it. This show's really well animated. Like, mm-hmm. and and the rain I think adds a lot too. It's really good. Yeah. I I also like that Mikey gets injured and keeps the injury all the way through the rest of the fight until the end. Uh mm-hmm. and him like having to kick people with his injured leg and being like, ow. <laughs> uh, yeah, they do a good job yeah. of like setting up stuff and then like not wasting it. Like even Raph's like he falls in the in the dumpster. He's like, This thing stinks to high heaven. And then later mm-hmm. he's ambushing two guys and like, what stinks? <laughs> it's Raph coming up behind him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They, they do really good with that kind of continuity in this show, yeah. which is nice. Those little touches help a lot to like string a story together. Mm-hmm. I wonder if like, it was just Peter Laird having seen bits from the 87 series and being like, this show will have like, we're going to completely like make up for all of the bad continuity errors in the 87 series. And the show will, <laughs> Have Every continuity. gun is a Chekhov's gun. <laughs> Did he have like a, a bone to pick with the '87 series so much? Or uh, is this just? It's. I mean, it's just me kind of making jokes about it. I know that he he doesn't necessarily <laughs> love it becoming the face of the turtles as it was. 
you know, he kind of wishes that that original show that hit hit the air would have been something that was some more similar to the comic book into their vision, or at least to his vision. Uh, he has said that, you know, to be the face of the turtles instead. Um, mm-hmm. He doesn't really care for it, but it's not like he, you know, says, oh, I hate that show. It's the worst thing that was ever created. Like he's never. I think he said that a few times on his blog. Oh, well, maybe maybe he's gotten to that point now. <laughs> maybe he got really annoyed with it. <laughs> yeah, you can tell with this show, though, like they're not they're not leaning on the nostalgia of the first show to make this show. Yeah, which is definitely a, a strong point for it. Yeah. Nostalgia um, wasn't invented back then. Right. Yeah. Nostalgia didn't exist until 2010. <laughs> I mean, nostal- nostalgia <laughs> definitely, yeah, definitely existed, but uh, I don't think they leaned into it as hard with like kids stuff uh, and like kids well, shows. And, and also because like, the, like I, I joke, but in, in a certain way, like nostalgia really became like a marketable thing with like the people who watched the 80s shows and now they're adults with money yeah and so like now nostalgia is like very much a thing you can like bank on whereas back then like you can't really like hook because like you know that was you know my era so it's like in 2003 i was like in my teen years Mm -hmm. like you know and so it's not like even if i for one, like you're just moved on, so there's no nostalgia to have, and it's yeah. not like I have any money at that point anyway, so they can't milk me, you know. So it's yeah. like nothing to do no, with like, that nostalgia. But it yeah, came; like it had the, a very fortunate point in time. Yeah, no, it's like how the 2012 series was with me. Like I, I was like an, an older teen at that time. I just kind of moved on. It just exactly. I just didn't get into yeah. it. But um, the thing is, like, nostalgia has definitely kind of always existed. I just think we've ever realized how marketable it is. Either that or it's so much more marketable for people who grew up in the 80s uh, and 90s because they're so much just obsessed yeah. with their childhood, probably more than anyone else in the whole world. Well, I mean, the housing but, and they have the housing money. bubble burst really did, did a lot for that. So, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I'm just, you just throw out anything. It, it works. Yeah. <laughs> but um, because, like, things like Happy Days was was a play on nostalgia for previous eras. And like, we always had shows like that 70s show that was Mm -hmm. like, you know, based for nostalgia from things that happened, you know, at a period that happened 20 years ago. Those were just prime. I think though, like those were like, like those were like nostalgia for a specific time or era, but this is like having nostalgia for like a previous version of the show. Yeah. For a property essentially to cook. And so that's the thing is, I think they typically wait for things to be about 20 years old before capitalizing on them. I think that's why the 2012 show was so successful was that it came 20 years after Turtle Mania. Uh, you know, so. Yeah. But uh, anyway, talking about this episode, I also love <laughs> how hard fought the battle with Shredder is. Like, it's not like an easy victory. They get their shells handed to them. It's actually a really tough fight, and it's, you know, Splinter's only able to manage to win by tricking the Shredder into cutting down the, the water tower uh, yeah. on himself. And so, like, the entire battle up to that point, they, they can't beat him. Man, 16-year-old Keith and 36-year-old Keith, man, that them, like, hanging on that water tower when Shredder comes up and, like, all that. Oh, I was so 
freaking jazzed about all of it. And Shredder fighting Splinter. Oh man, I remember like waking up early to watch this episode. It just <laughs> it's deep, deep in my psyche. This is like uh it brought me back, man. I don't remember part one so well, but part two, man, it was good. And can we talk about this Splinter being awesome this whole show? Like part two, he's like, okay, I gotta find my boys. What would they be doing? What did I tell them not to do? That's what, what did I doing. specifically tell them not to be doing? <laughs> yeah. And then they let Splitter try and call the battle shell, and that whole sequence of like everything, like the missile yeah. going all wonky yeah, he's and just shit, pressing like every button. <laughs> oh, it was so hilarious! I loved it. It's so good. And yeah. then yeah, him tricking Shredder. Oh, the animation's good too. Like when Leo gets hit and he flies back, and like his his sword scrapes across the ground. Like I don't know how anyone can watch this and be like, this is poorly animated. Like it's really, really solid. we die yeah did i lose everyone uh no no you didn't no, lose I'm everyone just i'm just i'm just trying to think of what to say next i guess that was a weird sound how to add on to it but yeah like it's it's a great fight and like i said it they don't make it an easy an easy win like they get they get by just by the skin of their teeth and so you know the shredder is still a threat and so him still being alive is, is still a big deal you know it's not like the 87 series or something where it's like, yeah, we defeat him every other Wednesday, you know, like yeah. it's, it, this is turn the off the light and beat him. Yeah. <laughs> turn off the light. And he's just like, Oh no, I can't win now. <laughs> I'm so, running. So, Spencer, you titled whatever episode that was of our podcast, Shredder defeated by a light switch in my uh-huh. podcast addict. I must've started that episode like a year ago. And every time I finish a different podcast, it goes back to that one. I'm just reminded all over <laughs> how ridiculous that was. And it makes me smile every time. So thank you. You're welcome. All right. On to the unconvincing Turtle Titan. So I actually like Mikey's Turtle Titan look. I think it's a lot of fun and very swashbuckling. This uh, was cool This yeah. was actually my favorite episode of the three. Really? Yep. That's uh, I know. <laughs> I know set you guys up uh, river of joy now it was it was um no it was it was genuinely fun it i i genuinely like stories where uh people want to be heroes uh like big hero six is one of my favorite superhero movies of all time mm-hmm. and the and so seeing mikey really kind of going through it and you know we have the ability to to be heroes let's be heroes um I I really like that. Um and yeah, like even like 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 I mentioned with Silver Century, like I don't care for that level of superhero interacting with the turtles, but it w- it was nice here because it it felt like he was just visiting, like he's not a regular part of the turtles' world. Um but he exists he exists there. Yeah, for me the reason why I like I love him existing is that it adds the breadth of storytelling and world building to Ninja Turtles when you bring in the superheroes. Like, the, there's just so, like, it just makes their world so much bigger and brings so much more variety in the stories and things being told than, than the typical, like, oh, man, it's another mutant we're fighting, or, oh, man, the Shredder's back and he has his ninjas. What's he up to now? We got to stop him. Or Krang. Uh, it, it just makes the adventures so much more expansive. Uh, along with their universe. And to me, that makes for a more interesting show that's fun to watch that they can bring anything into it. 
I really like uh, Mike Michelangelo with the grappling hook. Like he he repels down into this warehouse and he yanks it down, and then he catches the grappling hook without even looking at it, which is like just a baller move. Like he just knew exactly <laughs> what it would be. And then later on, he throws it up to get away from Silver Sentry, and Silver Sentry just comes and like grabs it. Like that's that's scary, man. <laughs> like. <laughs> Like he thought he was gonna get out, and now he's he's screwed. It's it's good. I like it. Yeah. Overall, this is like it's a Mikey episode. So mm-hmm. you just really finally get to see, aside from him cracking jokes, you get to see his personality shine, like his desire for acceptance and to do good and to and to like contribute to society and be a part of the world that exists around him. Uh, you know, is there? That's why he wants to go out and be a superhero. Uh, you know, thinking about all the good they can do. You get to see that that more compassionate, uh, you know, like people-loving person that, that Michelangelo is. Yeah. I gotta say, my, my favorite bit from this episode, though, is uh, that shield hitting the side of his head while he's yeah. gravel-hooking. Like, that has stuck with me my whole life. It's so funny. <laughs> I gotta I, think that it's Peter Laird, like looking at the design and being like, wouldn't he hit himself on the side of the head? And they're like, oh yeah, we'll just write that in. No big deal. <laughs> I, I do think that in general, it's it's just a whole lot of like good bits about uh, just wardrobe malfunctions, you know, as, as a superhero, like how impractical so many things about the superhero costume are, you know, because his cape gets caught in a door, which at this point is kind of an exhausted trope, but, you know, his cape gets caught in a door to show the weakness of capes. Uh, you know, in reality. Um, and like you said, he's like bonking his head with the shield because he's got it strapped to his arm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, good, ep- good Mikey episode, especially. Like yeah. Person yeah. It was the first one that I was like, I don't hate listening to Mikey speak. Yeah. He's finding his voice. Wayne Grayson. Yeah. But I think, I think that was because like he had more genuine, like opportunities to just not say silly things. Mm-hmm. And so like, you can't always talk like this when you need, you know, like he's like, he dials it down a little bit <laughs> when you're not um, doing like a quip to someone. Yeah. Like when he's not doing quips all the time, like it's not that bad. So. Yeah. And this, this series has a lot of good Mikey episodes that just really help him be a lot more fleshed out of a character than he is in, in most series. You know, he's more than he's, just the comic relief. He's kind of the mascot think, of this series. Really? I mean, more he's than, kind of the mascot of a lot of shows. Yeah, he is, but like in th- this one especially, like there's there's a reason like he did all like the promo bumpers. And yeah, stuff. yeah. I think uh, I think it's kind of funny that all, almost all of my favorite episodes so far have been like more tales of the TMNT feeling episodes. Mm-hmm. Instead of that is, and that is kind of that's not kind of the route I thought I'd be going, but well, so it, far. It, but like what, like I said before, like it's it's the breadth of storytelling that we get in things like Tells the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and that's what we're getting in this series. Is these Tells the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles esque episodes are just completely different than than what we normally get in most Ninja Turtles media. Yeah, I think that Brand I think new. that's why like I'm gravitating towards them is because like you know some of the stuff that's based on Mirage, like I've seen it done so many times, mm-hmm. you know. And so it's like, I'm really more interested in the stuff that this show's doing uh, more unique, like, you know, its own stuff. Yeah. So 
and that that's kind of I feel like the other reason why I enjoy this show in general so much is that when it's not telling the big story arc and I am just getting a, a an adventure of the week, it feels just different each time. It's more entertaining to me than than many of the other ones because a lot of the other ones is just like, okay, here's another bad guy. He's got this villainous plan that is just like a plan Shredder would have. Uh, you know, like when it's the 87 series or when it's the 2012 series, it's just like, okay, here's another mutant that was mutated by all the mutagen that's fallen in this area. Uh, you know, we got to find the mutant and prevent them from yeah. terrorizing. You need, you need those breaths of fresh air. You need to relax a little bit. And so, no, I, I get it. I get you. It just, it just provides more variety uh, overall in the show and with the adventures. The show's got a little bit for everybody. Yep. For people who like uh, long continuity things and stuff for people who like episodic things. So is that it for everything for these three episodes? I think so. Watch the show, guys. So good. Not you guys, our listeners. You guys are already watching it. Oh, we are? You guys are already watching it. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry All right. Well, Keith... Take us into the news. This is April O'Neil of Channel 6. Uh, <laughs> kind of a late news week. Um, not too much. Uh, Cody, do the honors of the toy news because you kind of broke this three days after it happened. <laughs> a little bit. Kind of a weird thing going on with the loyal subjects who, as we know, they're kind of the first ones to take a crack at the IDW versions of Turtles. Of course, like NECA and everyone's done Last Ronin, but the proper mainline IDW series, we've only gotten figures from the loyal subjects. And so and everybody's been To be clear, like the IDW, forward. what we call the IDW figures are specifically based on Matias Santaluco's art from the IDW series. Well, they're specifically based on the IDW comic is what we're saying. Well, yes, like they, they come from the IDW comic, but like the artwork they use for references, Santa Luco's art anyway. Yeah, true, which, you know, he's. I would argue like his designs have become the most dark iconic and they they've used him in like a video game and whatnot. So, yeah, yeah when I see him. I, I think mutants in Manhattan, like they were like exactly that design. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean they are in that game stuck like very close to it. Yeah. Um but yeah, so yeah, technically there's other artists and maybe we'll get different figures, but yeah, they're very focusing on, you know, the Santa Luco designs. So we've been hotly anticipating more characters going deep into the line. And so a weird reveal. So it turns out they showed off Alapex and Rat King at Toy Fair in Melbourne, and there was this video from Culture from Culture Shock Collectibles that just sat around for like three days before a user Sultry Biscuit shared it on the TMT Party Wagon Facebook group. And then folks like me took it and spread it about. And it seemed, you know, in a weird fluke, like nobody had like picked up on this otherwise. But yeah, we're getting two Alapex figures. There's one with like the, the pink headband and then like a, a blue one. One might be glow in the dark or whatnot, because the Rat King we're getting, there's a glow in the dark Rat King, 
and then Ooh. seemingly there would be a non-glow-in-the-dark Rat King, and it's the very creepy Frico Rat King. And so they're in box, they're done, so I would assume the release of these is pretty close. That'd be soon. They also, yeah, like, I, I would expect within the next, like, month or two. I gotta or get myself Maybe three months at the latest. I gotta get myself a um, glow-in-the-dark Rat King. Oh, yeah, it's going to be great. There's also, they showed off, like, a, a four-pack of Shredder and Hell turtles, it looks like. Oh, yeah, yeah those are the creep. same turtles that we've gotten a few times, um, but in more kind of muted colors um, to kind of match the Shredder and Hell figure they've already released. And yeah. more menacing so, and taunting. I, I could have sworn, I'll have to look at the thing again, but I could have sworn they had like the creepy red eyes and stuff. So I feel like they're different than like the, like the fire versions even. Yeah, I think yeah. it's a specific, there's a specific panel in the book. It's been a while since I've read Shredder in Hell. They're, they're just yeah, definitely they like, a lot more menacing and they look more evil. demon-y because they're, they're essentially psychologically torturing Shredder while he's in hell. Yeah, because he's in hell. Because he's in hell, yeah. <laughs> It, it it is fun, like when like the turtles would be your tormentors. Did you? Uh, yeah, know it's that... it's a it's a very specific page uh, at the end of the first issue. Mm-hmm. It's like, and they have like glowing red eyes. I'm pretty sure I've sent it to you guys, but just so the listeners know, there is a comic book from IDW that is Godzilla in Hell. Uh, I haven't read it yet. I want to because I want to see Godzilla in Hell because that's just <laughs> kind of hilarious to me, but also intriguing. Yeah, IDW really likes taking people to hell, apparently. Yeah, they do. They do. Um, I mean, they're two yeah, for two so far. Next is going to be Star Trek in hell. <sighs> it's, too, it's too bad that they don't have the My Little Pony license anymore. I wanted to read My Little Pony in hell. I think, uh, I think they still do. <laughs> just to see. No, the Hasbro stuff, I think, is all gone. No, it was only Transformers and... Oh, really? Uh, it was all the Hasbro. Yeah, it was only, no, yeah, it was only Transformers and G.I. Joe. They saw, oh. they saw My Little Pony. All right. Well, I guess you know I get to be. You called my bluff. I don't actually read My Little Pony. But I thought you. I can't believe you lied to us on this podcast. But My Little Pony in Hell. Like I, I need this now. IDW, make it happen. Make there it you happen. go. I don't, I don't know <laughs> that'll fly. Um, to carry on with the best action, many months ago, um, there was like a list of the best action turtles that leaked out and you never know with like lists and whatnot um and there's even like a a website in the uk where they have i I think you can pre-order them all and so there's just a boatload of figures stuff like uh foot clan leo bludgeon bonnie which interesting it's a bonnie figure so is it going to be unk frog bonnie is that what they're calling venus yeah, that's what I was I have wondering some, too. Yeah, because is is calling her Bonnie like a way to get around potential licensing problems with Saban? <laughs> Saban. <laughs> with I, I mean, that would be that would be yeah, really interesting. Saban. Yeah. Um, Though, especially you would think that, that. Well, yeah, I guess there's like toys are always a different thing from comics and whatnot. Yeah, so stuff is I was like, because like in this in this last issue, like she very specifically calls herself Venus. So yeah, yeah. Like I would maybe, think maybe they're just they're like setting it up and then they're going to do like a second figure because um, a, a, a true punk frog would be cool. It would be a good figure to have. If we could get all the punk frogs from the IDW series, like that is my all time favorite design for the punk frogs because they 
they look like actual punks. punks. Yeah, they're, they're like actual punks. Jimmy like their name implies. <laughs> uh, I think Metalhead was also on the li- the Metal leak list. Head, like a like an eight inch slash. There's it's a like they're gonna go deep in this line, and there's a Jenica figure. So yeah, they're it's the, gonna be a huge. Collection. Gonna be great. I'm excited. Me too. And mostly because like, mostly because I really want that metalhead. I like I, the IDW metalhead design is one of my all time favorites, and oh, I yeah. need a figure of it. It's good. Yeah, I'm I'm hoping for a general Krang. Like that would big, be really oh, cool. Yeah, like an eight He's, inch tall Krang, and yeah. and Terrell as well. Like Terrell's big big figure that or his like Triceraton body that he gets later in it. That would be super cool. Either of those would be awesome. Yeah, the number of figures they have I mean they're it's it's clear they're definitely like really going into the line and they're really going for it. So I think anything is on the table. Well, yeah, because yeah. it seems like it seems like the best action figures are generally the most popular um or the IDW are the are the most popular of the best action line like oh for it sure. And there's a passes like, their their tune line um yeah it's not even really a tune line it's it's kind of like it's kind of it's like it's style guide um stuff and like their arcade figures have been okay like um but i think this is really what they needed to do to kind of stand out from every yeah it's it's definitely the best figures they've done um and twitter's has gone wild with this news yeah and and that's the thing is like they're a they 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 make affordable figures like even if they're not like top tier quality like as far as like the plastic and everything go what you end up paying for it 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 seems reasonable yeah uh, you can get they're they're, they're usually like twenty one ninety nine unless you're getting like the comic book included version or whatnot and obviously yeah. often you can get them below twenty so for like twenty dollars they do have some issues which you know not worth glossing over. Or you don't want to gloss over, but also yeah, for like, like twenty bucks to get like the the level of like detail you're getting for twenty bucks is pretty unheard of. So yeah, yeah like because they're more expensive Marvel Legends figures that don't have as much sculpted detail as these do. So or accessories, yeah, or Excel or accessories, yeah. Like Star Wars Black Series figures sometimes don't even include accessories, and or so yeah, it's like your accessories an extra hand. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> Like black, hand black, for your for your Jedi. Black you know, Black Series doesn't do extra hands or heads. So it's like that's it. <laughs> yeah. And so you've you've got that aspect to it. And you also have B that yeah, they're the only company covering the IDW series at all. Yeah. Making figures. I am surprised it took so long. Yeah. I'm though I'm granted in like 2012 like in terms of turtles figures it was really still only playmates actually on the scene yeah for the most part like NECA, so. had, NECA hadn't even really started up again uh for their stuff until like 2016 yeah they did, yeah they did the 2008 stuff and that was just kind of like there we go and yeah yeah so i guess it was kind of i guess the timing of things naturally makes sense but I would have thought as soon as, you know, because you could see like a few years ago, things really kicked into high gear. Not having IDW figures was a really weird. Yeah. The thing like is, is I, I think that IDW has only really taken off like the, the series itself in like the last 
five or so years. I think that lots of people, like the word is finally spreading, like more people are finally getting into Turtles comics. At least it seems like there's, you know, more people online that are actually starting to like recognize these and actually talk about them a little bit. And they're going and buying those old, like the the collections that collect the old issues and are reading it. Uh, I, I just feel like you're seeing a lot more of that. And so like they're able to see yeah. it and more now. And I think, I mean, say what you will about IDW and like, they've done a lot of good with, you know, with what they've been able to re-release of the old stuff, you know, finishing, uh, volume three, you know, like they, they've done a lot of the heavy lifting for, you know, kind of, kind of everyone who just doesn't want to watch the cartoons. Yeah. And, so and that's, that's probably the hardest part with, uh, I mean, like, like the way they've reprinted Volume One, and in their many different ways of reprinting Volume One, does feel a little <laughs> disorganized and frustrating. But like having the complete compendium now, which is like the most complete way you can read it, and you know, like Mike said, Urban Legends, how they reprinted Volume Three, um, and and finished done, it, and finished it, and they've done a great job with re-releasing their own series that they started. Uh, you know, it's it makes it not that not that bad to read the comics. Yeah, I mean, I I super enjoy comics, so I think it's great to read them no matter what. I guess, but uh, as far as like tracking everything down and and figuring out, well, what's yeah, and going on. they are also like in Comicsology. If you if you subscribe to Comicsology, you can basically get all almost all the Turtles comics. Well, that they yeah, Comicsology doesn't exist anymore, but I think with Kindle Unlimited now, you Amazon can. Kindle. I think uh, they, it, still, still it, it still Comicsology. It still says Comicsology Unlimited in the Kindle app. Oh, in the Kindle yeah, app, just, okay, you can yeah. only use the Kindle app because they killed the Comicsology, which makes sense because, like, yeah. yeah, it works my exactly. Subscription, the same. My subscription still says Comicsology Unlimited. Okay. Cool. Yeah, I think because like they did build like a brand with it, so it makes sense to keep it. Yeah. So then that's why it's like locked into well, my they, brain. That's the only thing I refer to. They didn't really well. build it. They purchased the brand yeah. and continued using it. And then it. they yeah, ruined it. Yeah. Yeah, they uh, anyway. But speaking, speaking of <laughs> comics, uh, Spencer, comic book news. So uh, we've got TMNT Reborn Volume 8 coming out. So that's the trade paperbacks uh, of, the, of the IDW series post-issue 100. Uh, so Volume 8 of that is, is coming out. Uh, I'm guessing that probably has Armageddon game stuff in it. It's probably where they're yeah, at. Yeah, right? volume seven was starting Armageddon game. Yeah. And so eight is going to be Armageddon game. Yeah. And then we also have the TMNT source book issue number one releasing. Uh, that Those are both coming this Wednesday. So that's the 21st of February. Yeah, really excited for that source book. Um found out today that there's going to be two source books. Uh, so this is issue one and then issue two of the source book will be, uh, in April. Um, but this is going to be kind of the big world building book for, um, for turtles kind of akin to like, you know, those books that come out from like next to like star Wars movies. And it's like the authorized encyclopedia of like, the yeah, Force the, Awakens. The complete visual dictionaries. Yeah, the visual yeah. dictionary. That's what I was. Oh, that, cool. That's kind of what this is going to be. Not as in depth for eight bucks, but um, still really cool because like Turtles really hasn't had this before. Not to this level. They like other other than like the ones that uh, 
Didn't Simon Bisley do the the art for all those old ones that we that we talk about? Every uh, now and then? AJ, AC Farley did. AC yeah. Farley did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they had three um, of them for the Archie series. Yeah. And so, like, it's been a long time since there's been like a real source book for uh, Turtles. So this is going to be uh, the source book specifically for the IDW book. So really cool. Yeah, I'm I'm excited for it. I love a source book. So. And I guess the easiest way to the, get caught up on everything before the relaunch. Yeah. It was one planned for Mirage, but then they sold it to Viacom. So yeah. I got axed. But way to I, go, I, Peter. Things I wish had come out. Like that's up there. Yeah. I feel like I feel like loving source books is one of those like you're definitely a nerd kind of thing, right? Like that's yeah. Like yeah. once like it's one thing to just like enjoy things, you know, but like the second you're like into source books, it's like oh, you're, yeah, you're consuming it. You're you're a D and D nerd at that yeah, point. Like, like you, I just want to know nerd. how tall and how much everyone weighs, you know? Yeah, exactly. I need yeah. to know stats. Yeah, I need to know the details about them and in what their give their birthday is. Even if I've already read it, I just don't. I need to read it again. I mean, the Marvel the Marvel encyclopedias do birthday yeah. blood type. I need everything. I think the, Mar- the Marvel encyclopedias do um, what I always found interesting was uh, like the weight classes. So like who the strongest heroes mm-hmm. like we're all like in. And so like everybody was kind of like stacked together. So like Captain America would be stacked against like heroes as strong as him and uh, so on. And huh. some of the older one, there's there's a specific older one where uh, like I forgot who was narrating. I think it was Spider-Man. Um, was narrating like who's as strong as who and then like all the characters were mad that they were in certain categories <laughs> like, like ben the mid-2000s was... thing they did where they had like power levels like yeah fighting and, and intelligence and whatnot oh i remember those yeah i think like ben Grimm was mad that he was like on the same page as like colossus or something <laughs> <laughs> I know that the DC has recently released a book about just like the weird characters. Like specifically, it's just like a book about all of the different like weird characters, like uh, arm fall off boy and stuff like that. Uh, <laughs> and I, I feel like I think a lot of them are like the more obscure ones. I keep meaning to get it, but I haven't gotten it. Thank you again for listening to another episode of the Ninja Turtle Power Hour. We really do appreciate you coming back every week and all of you new listeners. Um so thank you so much. Let us know somewhere on the internet. Uh, give us a rating on your favorite podcasting app because that will help more people uh, find the show as we continue this dive into the 2003 series and beyond. Uh, Ninja Turtle Power Hour on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Thank you again. Spencer, what are we doing next week? Next week, we're going back to the comic books. So we'll be covering uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Volume 4. Issues 10, 11, and 12, which I think will put us almost like a third of the way through that series. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> around 30 to 40 issues long, so. And yeah, isn't it just 32 issues? So we're like almost halfway done with the, with the series. Yeah. Wow. It, it wasn't super. It was only a few years. Well, I guess it got drug out. It would be a lot of years, but yeah. <laughs> I think it's so still not to, over. It's think, technically, it's still on hiatus, isn't it? So it's still yeah. going. Technically, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully, Peter writes an ending to it, and we get the series reprinted from IDW. That would be incredible. I would. Yeah. Maybe someday. Be really cool. At least yeah. the Omni. I'm big into Omnis. I, I can't lately. wait till you guys just get to have all the same unanswered questions I do. 
<laughs> Misery does love company, so that makes yeah. sense. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, that's our show this week. Thank you again so much for listening. And until next time, Cowabunga Dudes. Certified, certified. Booyah Kasha. Hot soup. issue well and that's another thing though that like i was talking about like comic books have to become like disposable again yeah i mean the comic books still are disposable like that's the thing is like i i buy bags and boards out of habit because i like how because it's easier for me to store them in a long box Yeah, because otherwise it's like atrocious but i mean they need to become disposable in the way where it's like lower quality paper lower quality prints um, like they need to do it where it's like they like rock bottom prices, like I was talking about, where they can. I, and I don't know if they could realistically do it or not, but if they could just shave off, like even at this point, like fifty cents, a dollar, or whatnot, and then like if you want like a nice one, then they could do the more like boutique offerings. You charge more, you get like a really nice bundle or like a trade or something like that. Yeah, there was a comic company. I think it was called like Ahoy Comics. Um, and their whole, Ahoy? I think it was a hoy, but their whole might have might have been someone else. Their whole uh, like marketing campaign was that they were printing on newsprint, and it it was like it was like half the price of every other comic. Yeah, yeah, no, like, and like even just like picking it up is like wow, this is this is something different compared to what what else is on the shelf. Like if yeah. I could get like if you could get like twenty comics for like you know twenty thirty bucks, that's something. But now it's like I want to pick a bunch of comics i'm dropping like 100 bones on a a collection of stories then i have to do that again next month it's like god yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was not it was not ahoy ahoy did the wrong earth which is a great series but that's not the newsprint people yeah like i i regularly spend 80 bucks at least when i go to my comic book shop yeah that's like that's like eight to ten books right there well, that's the thing is like, I know that there was someone at Image that was trying to go to more the newsprint route, trying to find a way to print stuff cheaper. It might have been Robert Kirkman. Uh, it could have been someone else, though. But I know there was talk of that going on there. I, I remember listening to an interview about it. But there, there is just so many things that end up just being a barrier to entry for, for comic books. Like you got the comic book shop, which is the special store you have to go to to buy the comics and get there and so then like you have to know where one is and then b you also have to feel like you can go there yeah i don't know because yeah and then you go there and they're like oh we don't have it in stock did you put on your pull list and people like me are like hell no i'm not doing a pull list I yeah. need a, another <laughs> obligation like yeah. <laughs> yeah i used to um one of the stores that used to go to like years ago um they would charge for a pull list um nice. yeah i ain't about that shit <laughs> and yeah i mean it was fine because i, mean, I got, assumed they had too many people just doing a pull list and then they never bought it well I'm, so yeah, so yeah, here so what they did is they charged they charged for your pull it was like a store membership but you got 10 percent off everything which was nice 
Mm-hmm. Um, and that was like that was like twenty bucks a year. It wasn't expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what they would do is every month would charge your pull for you, so you just had to come and pick it up. Interesting. And so, I mean, like, that, I was cleaning. I was cleaning out my. I'm sure that makes the most sense. Yeah, I was. I was cleaning out my car the other day, and uh, I found an old receipt from it. <laughs> I was like, "Oh my god, this takes me back." <laughs> I love like, old receipts. This is like 2012. <laughs> I'm a psycho where it's like an old receipt somehow becomes like the most magical thing. I mean, yeah, like there's like some old receipts are kind of cool. Like that took me back. Like I was looking at some of the comics that I had from back then. Um, and that was neat. Um, I had a lot of good memories at that store. That was a really, that was a really cool store. Uh, bad ownership, but, um, it was, it was cool. Are you talking just like any receipt, Cody? Like, like if you find a receipt and you're like, oh man, I bought a couple of gallons of milk that day because we ran out of milk. Or, you know, kind of, but the, the, the more generic mm. the receipt is, the older it has to be. Like if I, if I find <laughs> like a receipt, like 20 years ago, I went to Walmart. I'm like, that's awesome. Right. Obviously if it's like two months ago, I'm like, eh, but so if it's a really cool purchase, then it can be more recent, mm. but, and I don't know, maybe this is marks me as old Mike and Keith will have to chime in on this. I find at least personally, there's this weird thing where it's like, just as stuff progresses, finding something old is just like a weird magical thing. Even if it's like totally banal, like a freaking like, so, cause sometimes I'll have like a book and I'll have used a receipt as a bookmark and you're like, wow, Kmart, you know, like it's yeah, just, I, I use the receipts as the bookmark too. And it's, it's yeah, wild it even just like a year later, it'll be like, wow, books were cheap a year ago. <laughs> Look at the text. Yeah. yeah. It's just, it's a odd, like little like time capsule. I, I just love stuff like that, that you don't think. Cause like you document like, oh, like this is the day I got whatever we went to disneyland this is a big event but you don't document all the incidental things you know so if you're ever trying to think back like what did a pack of chewing gum look like 10 years ago like that's the kind of stuff that just gets lost that's why one of my favorite videos i'm sure you guys have seen it there's um it's like disneyland in like 1980 in a gas station by disneyland in florida and it's just these idiot kids filming everybody for like 30 minutes and it's the most riveting time capsule video ever i have not seen that oh yeah for i i just when i was like on tiktok the other day someone scrolled through just photos of stuff inside of a walmart in the 2000s and late 90s kind of thing and it's got like those blue bags with the smiley face and stuff on it and i was just like holy crap like it just totally took me back like i'm uh what what other things are they showing around there? The the fish tanks that they used to have in Walmart. Yeah, I remember those fish tanks and like the lobster. Yeah, tanks yeah, they well. had like a whole section. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, and I I have like vivid memories of like you know early nineties, late eighties, like Disneyland, like things that aren't there, like the motorboat cruise and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And it's like you see pictures of it, and you're like, oh man, like yeah, like getting to that age, you're just getting nostalgic for stupid stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's why I think, yeah, see, but I don't think it's stupid, and I think it's sad that they replaced Tower of Terror with Guardians of the Galaxy. I mean, it makes Fine. sense. Like, I opened that ride um, when I worked at California Venture. Um, cool. And so there's, it's like, possible a picture. I saw you. When did you work at California Adventure? 
Um, 2002 to 2006. It's entirely possible we interacted. How Maybe. wild would that be? That? Hmm. Um, but did I go when I was a kid? There's a... I don't know if it's still there. I'm sure it's not anymore. But there was a picture of me uh, in the back stockroom as like the opening team um, for like the longest time. That's huh. cool. That and so cool. missed that, that job. My, or every now job? and then it was an easy job. Um, it was a super easy job. And I got some stories for a power hour after dark. Let me tell you. Um, <laughs> oh, but it, uh, the pace, the pay was terrible. There was a lot of politics, you know, um, like my mom also, my, I worked in California adventure. My mom worked at Disneyland and, um, she, baby, I think kind of, um, (laughs) because, because like she had been there for so long that like a lot of people knew her and a lot of people, cause she'd been there, you know, since like 93, um, And so a lot of people from back then went to go open California venture. And I, I started just after California venture opened. Um, and so like, I, I knew a lot of people like before and she knew everybody told everybody that I worked there anyway. Um, it had gotten to a point where like there was a manager that had harassed her and then she was suing the company because of it. Because they allowed it to happen. And then they transferred the manager out of her area to be my direct manager. And then, uh, and then so like, she obviously hated that. Um, (laughs) And so like, I went to our union, I went to our union and I was like, Hey, can I like transfer out of here? Like it's a conflict of interest. You know, um, because everybody, everybody, almost everybody in Disneyland is unionized. Um, I wouldn't necessarily, I wouldn't have thought that to be the case. Nope. Every, almost everybody is. I was, I was in stores, so I was the same union as like grocery workers. I'm sure Disney hates that. (laughs) They do and they don't. Um, but I mean, that, and so that was, uh, so I went to our union rep and I was like, Hey, like, you know, this is a conflict of interest. Like, you know probably not a good idea that the guy that's named in my mom's suit against the company is my direct manager now. And he was like, um, he was like, well, honestly, you know, you're in the safest place because you know, it, it would be really stupid for him to do anything retaliatory towards you, Mm. which like, yeah, I guess, but also like, it's not good for my mom. You know, and there's also not, like tons of like petty ways to retaliate that aren't, yeah, exactly. And yeah. it's like, I just didn't want to deal with that, so I kept like trying to transfer out. Um, you know, I had been there for four years at that point. I was like, you know, I I can go anywhere, um, I have the seniority, and they just wouldn't let me do it. And they're, you know, because I was like a I was like a trainer in the area, um, so I like I trained all the new people and. They wouldn't let me transfer. They were like, oh, well, you know, you have your status. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to drop it. Like, I don't want to be a trainer anymore. So I went back. So I went back to like a regular cast member and they still wouldn't let me transfer. So then I was like, all right, whatever. I'm out of here. What's the like, I guess, what's the like uh, growth path for working at Disney? 
It, I mean, it, it depends. Um, they're a lot better at it. Like running a is no small thing. Like if you. Well, I mean, because there are stories of people who you know started you know you know slinging popcorn on, on Main Street, and now they're Bob like Iger. department managers. Not Bob Iger, but there are some others um, that have moved up that way. Yeah. Um, very rarely does it happen, but I mean, there still are people who have been there, you know, 10, 20 years. Um, and it's just, it, it really depends. Um, cause like I said, it is very political. Um, so it's kind of like, you know, how much butt can you kiss? How long have you been kissing? But, um, yeah, that sounds like job one on one. Yeah. yeah that, that's any workplace. <laughs> yeah. I've ever participated um, in. Just, just like, so much more because it's Disney and there's so many more butts to kiss. Um, yeah. And so like for me back then, um, back then they were very specific that you had to, if you wanted to be a manager, you had to leave, go train somewhere else and like go, go be a manager at like target or something. Then come back to Disney. Like there was no growth path for stores at the time. Um, and like I said, that's changed now. And now it's, they do a lot of the training there. Um, but like back then it just, it was, it sucked. Like I, I'd been there for four years and I didn't, they, my cap and pay was like nine ninety five. Mm-hmm. On breaks. Did you go ride rides? I uh, no, definitely. You could not do that. You would have gotten fired. Uh, I did sneak though, um, because lunch, taking lunch sucked. Like everything was like vending machines. Um, but what I would do, cause one have of the grit cast tunnels and not at Disneyland, they not at Disneyland. They don't have, they don't have tunnels. Um, there will be like a little tunnel to go under something, but it's not like Disney world where there's a labyrinth. Um, so Disney, um, so at Cal- especially at California Adventure, because that was just built on a parking lot. So like the cast cafe from where I usually worked was like on the other side of the park. It was like a 10 minute walk and you had to walk amongst people. So that would and that would eat into your break if you got stopped. Like if I was going to if I was going to go to the cafe and you stopped to ask me where the bathroom was, I don't get to start my break over. Because you did that. Yeah, like that sucked. Um, so but never talk to Disney employees, folks. You're ruining. If they're walking, if they're walking to somewhere like in a hurry, trying to try to ask the next cast member, they'll always stop. They should always stop to help you, but never Have tears in their eyes and they're glad yeah. Like if they're thing. walking with purpose, they're most likely just trying to go have lunch. Um, <laughs> and so um. I was gonna say so. So the place I worked most of the time, um, the costume was like a bowling shirt and then like khaki pants, and so I would just wear like a white t-shirt underneath it. Uh, and then so on my lunch, I would take the bowling shirt off and go next door to the corn dog place, buy a corn dog for lunch, and then and then yeah, yeah, that sucks. Um break people messing with break times is something like i can't stand yeah and it's it's even worse now because like you have you know the it's all automatic so like it automatically bumps you out for your break and then 
you know, there's different people to do it. Like back then we just did it all. We used to do it all manual. And so you had, um, they're still there, but in California venture, there are, um, when I, when I was there, there were more of them. There was the midway games. So it's like California venture has like the pier area. It's like the, it's called the Pixar pier now, but it used to be the paradise pier. Um, yeah, it was, it used to be like when it first opened, it was a really like, it felt like your local town amusement park. It had, it had such weird yeah. vibe. It was. So the original intent was it's supposed to be a postcard view of California. It's supposed to be mm-hmm. something for tourists to kind of go here instead of traveling all over California. You can kind of get the entire California experience in one spot, Disneyfied. Um, and so it's, you know, admittedly, it's kind of a dumb theme to have in California. It's very much like a tourist the trap. The theme is California. Yeah, the theme is California yeah. at a theme park in California. Like it was very yeah, much like going to Lagoon at Utah and it's just Utah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so it uh so like like I said, admittedly it's not very good. It was built very cheaply. Um it was you know, it was Michael Eisner, uh Paul Pressler was the old and he was like Paul Presley was the president of parks at the time. And he was like, you know, he had come from like stores, like retail. That was his thing. So it's like California venture was designed very much as like a store first, uh, kind of place. That makes a lot of sense. Like back in the day, like the best things about it were stores. (laughs) Yeah. And then also too, like there were no Disney characters in California venture. Like that wasn't part of the vibe they were going for. Um, and so again, you're at Disneyland. A lot of people didn't get that and that's fine. You know, it's an international crowd and not everybody's going to, you know, get, not everyone's going to vibe with it. Um, but at the same time, you're Disneyland and you don't have Disney characters. So they slowly started trickling them in, um, uh, into like the first like real admission of like, oh, we kind of messed up was when they added a bug's land. And it, like that was that whole area that was themed after a bug's life. I love, I love that land. It was fun. Uh, one of my favorite places to work was like the seed shop that was there. Um, cause like nobody bothered you. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I guess guests aren't going to come in actually in the very back. Um, in the very back of the bug's land was a, um, uh, like Caterpillar, like the tractor brand had sponsored the land and they had like real tractors there. Uh, and right behind that was a merchandise cart. We called the cat cart because it was all and all it sold was like toy Caterpillar uh, tractors. And nobody would buy them because like they're huge. You got to carry them around the park like it was it was a, it was dumb, but it but it was a guaranteed uh, six hour shift, uh, six or seven hour shift. Uh, and it was right next to the cafe. Like you could, you could smell the cafe. It was that close, just literally on the other side of the wall. I loved that place. Nobody would bother me and I could go to lunch. That's rad. Yeah, it's the little things in life. It's all those little things like, you know, the the job was what you made it. Um, And like like I said, I have a lot of good memories from that. I still talk to some of my old friends from there. Um, 
a lot of them have gone on to bigger, better things. And some of them are still there because that's, you know, there's nothing wrong with being a lifer. It's a, it, it was an easy job. Um, yeah, it's just, it, it's just a lot of, a lot of fun memories for that one. So every time I find a receipt from that era, it's like, uh, I miss it. One day you'll go back there, Mike. You'll, you'll I mean, I've gone back and visited. None of the people, none of the people I worked with back then are still there. You'll go back there to work. In fact, fun hat, uh, fun fact. Uh, I know you know him, Cody, uh, straw hat goofy mm-hmm. on TikTok. Uh, he worked there after I did. Uh, he claims that he started a lot of stuff that we were doing like for years. So like every time I hear him talking about like his time at California adventure, I'm like, yeah, we did that like years before you, bro. Do you want to say some words to him publicly now on the podcast? Uh, you know, straw hat, uh, no, I'm good. <laughs> I, I, I said what I, I said, what I meant right there. Straw hat yeah, is I, I, said what I, I said what I meant right there. You heard it here, folks. Beef. Where's the beef on the Ninja Turtle power? One hundred percent all natural beef. Mm-hmm. From Hanson's local. God, I was gonna make a joke, but I, then I forgot. Like, what's Angus the place beef. where they Black Angus? I was beef. like, what's the place? I guess it would just be a farm, but where's the place that like harvests cows for beef? What's that called? There's got to be like a, a succinct uh, term. Slaughterhouse? Uh, yeah, I was about to say, I think, I think the term is, is slaughter cows, not harvest them. But, yeah. but I do well, like the idea I mean, of a harvester going out to like is, pick up cows. That's kind of funny. <laughs> is slaughter better than harvest or is harvest better? I mean, I mean, well, harvest sounds nicer. No, nah, because uh, like harvest... A harvest has like weird connotations to it when it's a over, when it's with uh, like a living thing. Yeah. The ironic thing is like that's literally what we're doing. So like those horrifying connotations are what we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Like Man, I was just watching uh, uh it's always sunny in Philadelphia, and I'm on like season seven with, with Fat Mac, and uh, mm. and this is like you're cultivating mass. It's time to start harvesting. Yeah. <laughs> My favorite I'm, show I'm of all mad. time. Favorite show of all time. It is. Good. It is good. I still need to watch. I've I've watched that show really? only through clips. I've never oh, actually you've watched gotta. the show, but I've seen it's, a lot of clips. It's really funny. It's the fact that it's still on the air is kind of just amazing. Like how it's, how it's many wild bad things they've done over the years and they're still on the air. Yeah. And not only that, it's um, it's just it's the fact that like because uh, I've listened to their podcast too and it's it's yeah. funny because like they they don't want to do their podcast like they're, they're they the early episodes they're very annoyed that they're doing it yeah um but it's kind of interesting to see like them recognizing jokes that they had written t- almost 20 years ago don't fly now mm-hmm. and that's kind of like the stuff that we talk about like when we when we were talking about our these old shows um and it's just funny that like they can recognize it. And there's nobody for turtles to recognize it, like recognize it officially for them, you know. Yeah, it's like all those years old turtles. Well, no, I mean, like, I mean, like people who worked on these shows, like, you know, I don't think they've said anything about like, oh, uh, you know what? Maybe we shouldn't have had, you know, Darren Dunstan doing Splinter. 
Yeah, and it's the kind of thing um, where, you know, you don't want to talk about it. I mean, for one, like, nobody's going to give them, like, a platform, really, to talk about it. Mm. And then it's like, you're very much, like, burning that bridge with the well, company. I mean, it, it's it's definitely something that, that would come up at, like, you know, if they went to a Comic-Con or something and we're doing a Q&A there. And so that would that would be like the forum to kind of be like, hey, like, what do you think of this? You know? Yeah. Um, not like bum rush them at their booth or something. Ask them the awkward question yeah. during the panel. I mean, it depends on the panel, but do you think yeah, Twitter I, was racist? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I need you to make a definitive statement here and now. Uh, how do you feel about this? Um. No, I wouldn't do that in a panel, but I I would ask to like, well, you know, let's let's have a let's have a dialogue about it. That would be hilarious. Anyway, 